Hi everyone, my name's Dave. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to SportStack Weekly Analysis by AlphaStack, where you can get your weekly discussion on everything SportStack. This is a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already at AlphaStack Group. And don't forget to check out our weekly blog posts at www.alphastack.co.uk. Right, enough of the admin. Let's get on with the show. Well, well, well. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another SportsDAC Weekly Analysis podcast. My name is Dave J. I don't know how uh, how to address the football we've um, we've kind of seen this weekend. How did you get on and kind of deal with it all? Because obviously there are a few uh, shock results in there. Yeah, a couple of shock results. Um, thankfully, I was I wasn't on the wrong side of too many sort of big swings. Um, I think the one that could have cost me if I wasn't watching the game was um, Everton Brighton when Richarlison went off. Right. Uh, thankfully, sort of, whilst he was down, you were you were actually still able to trade, which I think I kind of need to count my lucky stars because that really doesn't happen often when somebody's down injured. Um, so yeah, I was I was able to trade out of that because I was like, you know what, he's holding his ankle. We know he was sort of fifty fifty to play because he had an ankle injury anyway. Like as far as I was concerned, he wasn't carrying on. Yeah. Um, but sort of when I after I traded out, there was probably about a minute period where I should have really just made my mind up and gone right I'm gonna short you like massive now because he'd started off really really well um, yeah and he, how, how long was he on for in the end like 25 minutes 20 minutes or so just yeah right. it, was, it wasn't a lot <laughs> but yeah I mean apart from that um you know go goes back to what we've said um uh, for, for quite a while now it's you you've got to be able to trade in play because um, there's there's just so many opportunities. I mean, I've had um, four really really good um, game weeks now for the for the first four, and obviously we'll, we'll hit on that a, a little bit later. Um, but yeah, in in all, it was a, it was a good weekend and a fun weekend. <laughs> yeah, and it, as you say, a big big in play weekend. Mm-hmm, absolutely, Potent- and potentially a killer if if you couldn't trade in play. Like London buses, we've been waiting a while for uh, for some guest appearances and we've actually got, well, this will be the second week running. We may even uh, have another one next week, so stay tuned um, until the end of the episode for us to announce next week's guest. But um, let's not get distracted now. We've got uh, we've got Brandon on. So, Brandon, Brandon, I don't know I don't know <laughs> how to introduce you via your Twitter handle. Um, your, your at it's is... It's an old handle. There we go. So this, <laughs> I, I feel it feels rude saying it, but obviously you've uh, you kind of coined that one yourself. Um, Brandon, it's good to have you on, mate. Thank you. As ever, can we just get started on how you got into SportStack? Um, I originally was in it from the start. I think I see an advert, uh, an advertisement uh, for signups before it was even released. Um, going back probably about a year and a half now. That's how I first found it. Have you have you got much of a betting background before that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm an avid better. Um, I go more more though, so from from the accumulators and also for the stats. What I look at, um, so I've been going corners, things like that. Okay, right, and you've got you've got quite a, a background in that. That's fair enough. 
How yeah. have you um, taken that across to to Sports Stack? Are you using the Exchange Super Stack? How you how have you kind of approached that? Um, I started on the Exchange. Uh, started started quite poor, but learned a lot from it because it's completely different than than your normal betting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but more more recently, going on to Super Stack, definitely probably say I've completed it in in one way. I know I've done. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I'm, I'm doing very well on it. Right. Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to drill down into that um, a little bit later on because I'm sure you've probably got some some good secrets and some of those you might want to keep to yourself, which is uh, which is fair enough. Um, in play betting, obviously, we've saying this this weekend is big if you're able to trade in play. Um, have you been doing that the whole time? Have you tried to shift the focus towards in play um, trading? I have done recently. This season, especially doing in play, because there was you never saw the potential until you really looked into it. Yeah, and once you've seen that, you can work it well. There's so many opportunities to to make money from it, mm-hmm. and to save yourself from a lot of losses as well. Yeah, I think in a way, I think that's actually probably the bigger thing is spotting mm. when a trade is going bad, and as long as you can limit losses to to small losses, and that that can make the bit the biggest difference in the end. As ever, we've got a lot to get into, so we'll get started on the Game Week 4 review, and then we've got some community questions, a few questions of our own to to skip on to once we've done the review for this week. Obviously, we don't have any games to do picks for next week, which is a bit of a shame, the way the picks have been going. Um, no, no, this is great. <laughs> we'll, we'll address those very quickly later. The, the, onus, the onus is on me to address the picks now, just well, it's just just the way they've gone, but I'm sure at some point that momentum might shift later on in the season. Um, really we'll start. With, <laughs> we'll start with the game week four review. Um, as ever, we'll start at the beginning. Chelsea four, Palace nil. What a way! This is a great place to, to start. get cracking. Yeah, I know. I thought you'd. I thought you'd probably enjoy that. Ben Chilwell, one super stack. Uh, did, did Brandon? Did you manage to pick that one? I didn't. I looked at him. I really looked at him in play. But right. I never put it on. Jay, how did you get on? Uh, do you know what? I actually don't think I ended up having anything um, in this game. I might be wrong with that. Let me just double check because uh, my initial pick. Oh no, I did. I shorted Werner. Um, yeah, you did during the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, my pick here was uh, Kovacic, and then he got benched, which was the most frustrating thing ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I shorted Werner and it, it it goes back to the same thing with um, Kai Havertz where when Havertz was playing out wide sort of in his first two games it was it felt really really obvious and that he was just so isolated yeah. um, and then Werner was playing out on the left with uh, Tammy up front again Werner was just isolated it was in hindsight, I mean, I probably could have quite easily um, taken on a, a little bit more than the than the um, position that I did. But apart from that, it was, yeah, it was just Werner, short. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand the dynamic of signing Werner for 50 million to then play Tammy Abraham up that front. <laughs> that, that's something I, I won't get my head around. I'm quite glad that Azpilicueta took the penalty the second penalty off Abraham. I 
I don't know what it is. I just don't think he's good enough. And I, I don't want this the charade of him playing up front to go on much longer. I'd actually like to see Werner start making something of himself there. Um, I don't know if that's just a little bit mean on my part. At the same time, I didn't enjoy seeing Jorginho's silly skip on two occasions. But he's he's quite a good penalty taker. Uh, Brandon, how did you do in, the, in this game? Um, too great. I was on coverage short, but obviously he didn't start. Um, but I went Havertz short. And I ended up trading out for a small profit in the first half when he started doing well. Okay, good, good. So, were you watching that game as it as it unfolded? Yeah, yeah, I watched that. Good. Okay, Jay, what do you make of um, Havertz and Werner? Neither of them have actually managed to register a goal involvement yet. They both won a penalty. Their payouts weren't that bad at the weekend, given given the fact that that neither of them have scored or assisted. Do you see that changing at all soon? I think I might have to correct you there. Pretty sure Havertz got an assist last week. In last game week. Three. Oh, he did. Yep, yeah, sorry. He did assist. What was it? I think it was 47-49p yeah. payout against West Brom. Yeah, so I mean, you probably would have broke even. Yeah, so it would have been, a short there would have been about break even. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, but yeah. I changed, I changed my question. Um, <laughs> it's more just to the point of are we going to start to see Chelsea clicking in the way people may be expected, which is they've got a huge amount of firepower up front. You know, when are, when are these new signings going to start really I, scoring? I personally think you will, A, see them start to click more when Hakim Ziyech comes into it. Fair. Um, but I also believe, and despite the fact that I love the Bundesliga because I think it's a absolutely quality league, the Premier League is a little bit different, and I do think that these two guys are probably taking a little bit of time to adapt. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean, uh, do you think there'll be any of that for Ziyech coming into the league as well? See, I'm not sure with him because I mean, he's he has literally proven that you know he can do it against uh, against Madrid, against Chelsea themselves, um, and against a host of other big European teams. Um, whereas to a degree you could argue that's the case for Werner um, but obviously Havertz hasn't really because Leverkusen were um, Europa League and then they did get to the Champions League but they didn't get out of their group stage Yeah. so he hasn't had a huge amount of experience against sort of top, top flight clubs whereas I think Ziyech will probably be able to deal with it a little bit more and obviously Ziyech is a lot more experienced in general um, compared to these two guys. Yeah, that's fair enough. We'll move on to Goodison Park. 4-2, Everton beat Brighton. Brandon, did you take anything in this game? Um, I had Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. Richarlison, I missed out on the in-play, so I made a loss on him. But uh, Calvert-Lewin, I managed to to trade out of him not long after he scored so I got 66p rather than the 52p he finished on nice. right that's yeah that's a good move I was thinking about this because obviously the other week I traded out after he got his first goal against West Brom and then he went on to bag two more but the best thing in the end would have been to trade out as you did shortly after he scored um the weekend just gone because ending up on 52p you're actually not uh, not that much in profit in the end um, if no. you went long pre-game. 
Yeah, because I think he might might have been what about forty four p to go long on. He's he he's always a a fair bit cheaper than um than Richarlison, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. And Richarlison, I mean, Jay, I remember saying to you during the week that because he he he'd gone off injured in the cup game, and I thought he just wasn't going to be playing at all. I was a bit surprised when I saw the he was starting. Um, yeah. So there will have been there will have been a few people out there who maybe clocked onto that in the early stages of the game but it could have left a few people with with a heavy loss the uh super stack winner in this game was james rodriguez who had a 99p payout jay what did you make of him did you have to ask me like after you are fully aware that i contemplated going long on him at halftime and didn't do it <laughs> uh i yeah i had to <laughs> um oh i to be honest I love him as a player um, and I've, you know, I've spent the last couple of years sort of just kind of watching him bench warm at Madrid, which is really quite horrible to see. I think he's got so much class um, he's so easy on the eye yeah. um, and, you know, he's he's in a team now that that have clicked and they've, they've clicked very, very well and I to be honest, I think that's that's only going to be good for him. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily like to see him at say one of the big six um, in the Premier League because I don't think he would be given the same kind of role that he is at Everton, and therefore he's not going to shine as much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas I think where he is now at Everton, he's just basically given freedom, do what he wants to do. Um. And yeah, it's just it's it's great to see. It's great to see. Um and I think, you know, on super, on sports deck at least he's uh he's definitely gonna be one to keep an eye on. Yeah, if I mean if Everton keep scoring at the the rate they have been, I'd certainly agree with you there. I was a little surprised to find out the other day that he he was twenty nine. In my head I I guess I thought he was still like twenty four. Like <laughs> however I mean that World Cup in twenty fourteen. Um, obviously, that was a while I mean, ago. If you now. look at him, then yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's quite baby faced, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, time. very, very clean shaven. Ipasuma for Brighton. Just quick mention on him because he finished on sixty six p. Obviously, conceding four goals, he did get a uh, a goal for Brighton at the end. That was a, a quite a nice finish. So he's yes. probably one that people want to keep an eye on for Brighton. You know, when they're playing, they've had, I mean, they've had a, a very tough start when you look at the teams they've come up against uh, for the most part. So he'll be one that people probably want to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, he was quite involved anyway. So what was he looking at? He was looking at 46p before the goal. Yeah. Um, After conceding four. So that puts him back up to 58 in in effect, um, giving him what, a 33p base? Yeah, 33p base, yeah. Which we've said before, 35 is along the line of, yeah, this is kind of what you want to see. Yeah, um, I quite like that. I think he seems to be the one in their, in their midfield that actually really makes them click and, and go. And I think Alzate, Lalana, they seem to be like quite nice complementary players. Zuma, from what I've seen in the early parts of this season, seems to really be finding his feet now in the Premier League. The 5.30 kickoff on Saturday was Leeds 1, Man City 1. So this one was um, was quite a hype game for the for the, the management 
clash. Um, it being Guardiola versus Bielsa, um, they've got a bit of a bit of history between them, and apparently, based on the the, the post match interviews, um, a huge amount of respect for each other. Um, it's a bit weird seeing Guardiola sort of fawn over over Bielsa like that, and his and his lead side. This one might have caught a few people out, I'd guess, with the result. Jay. Uh, I I would highly imagine so. I mean, there were some high prices um, if you were going long on Man City players, like huge, huge prices. And I mean, I, I can understand people's thought process if they, even if they started to short some Leeds defenders, because, you know, yes, they have leaked goals. Man City in the in the league at least have just come back off a 5-2 defeat to Leicester at home, sort of humiliated um, to some degree, and everybody knows what tends to happen after that kind of result. Um, Man City are just out for blood. Yeah. And coming up against a new promoted side who have shipped a couple of goals, um, this probably seemed like a huge, huge opportunity for a lot of people to make a lot of money. Yeah, I, yeah. I wonder if... Uh, if- Bielsa, or just it being Bielsa, kind of got in Guardiola's head a little bit. It, it, that that might have caught, sort of caught him on the hop a little bit. I don't know. Uh, Brandon, did you see this result coming at all? I didn't. I really thought City would go out and riot in theory and bag quite a few. And it was, I mean, it started looking, started off sort of looking like that was what was going to happen, right? But Leeds, oh, yeah, yeah. Leeds got themselves back into the game and actually fared fared quite well for large parts of it. I think they could have won it in the end. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there there are a few decent payouts in there. Did you did you take anyone in the game? Um, I had Dallas long and uh, Torres short, so I had quite yeah. a good game that game. Okay, yeah, you've done that. You, you've done that quite well. I mean, that's that's a tricky one. If you, I guess, if you think that Man City are gonna. They're going to run right, then those those trades have uh, paid out, paid off quite well for you in the end. Were they both in play or? Um, no, no, they weren't actually. I topped up on Dallas at half time. Right. Okay. Fair. And how how was he looking at half time? Did he was it was it one of those where his buy price was only slightly above his payout? Yeah, yeah. I think his buy price was forty two p, and I think his payout was about thirty eight p. Right. Okay. Quite known for, for quite a high base. Okay. Fair. So at that point, if you don't think City are going to score, then you're uh, you're in a decent position there to buy him. Yeah. Sort of add to that position. Yeah. Fair enough. The um possibly the dud game of the weekend, or what people thought was going to be the dud game of the weekend, was uh, was Newcastle versus Burnley. But there was still plenty to talk about in this. Um, namely, Callum Wilson paying out. A massive 82p with two goals and an assist. And I'm sure this will have caught a few people out because we know people love shorting Callum Wilson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thankfully, I um, I say thankfully, I didn't watch this game at all. Sort of, it was, to me, I, I couldn't see anything that sort of sprung to mind. Um, so I, I left this game alone and... I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been sports like Josh actually messaged me saying I've gone I've gone long on uh, St Maximum. And then he's messaged me, he's like, he's just scored and oh, yeah. If I if I was trading this game, he would have been my go to guy as well. Um and then I sort of just sat there thinking like just sulking to myself, like 
idiot just missed out on fucking profit <laughs> yeah i mean i'd i think in that game i wasn't really sure which way i'd expected it to go i end up leaving everything but i'd looked possibly at wilson and possibly at chris wood so basically just strikers on either either side like who who is going to get the goal brand did you take anyone in this game uh, i had Carl Darlow and Jamal Lewis. Uh, Jamal Lewis didn't do too well. Darlow done okay. Um, I picked up Fraser at half time as a sub, and he done well. Right. So did he come on? What was about half hour to go, something like that. Yeah, and he won the penalty. Did you get him after the half hour mark? So at that point, the prices on the on the subs drop off a little bit. Um, I actually got him straight away. Right. Okay. Straight away. Uh, I think I picked him up at 11p. I had him in um, a trade order, I believe. Okay, fair enough. So, I mean, that's a very good price to get a sub at. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly someone like Ryan Fraser, he, you would expect at some stage will will bed himself into the starting 11 or, you know, he'll be there or thereabouts. So I don't know if he's actually started yet for Newcastle. I don't believe he has, no. No. Fair enough. Ashley Westwood got the goal for Burnley. Bit of a Bit of a slow burner. Finished on 59p. As I say, if if we didn't really trade this game too heavily, there's not a whole lot to say. Um, I I kind of just ignored it for for the <laughs> evening. I figured this one wasn't going to be wasn't gonna be too great. Saying that, moving on to the Sunday games, I actually managed to trade the two games that were last on match of the day. So they were kind of in the end the the more boring ones. Southampton West Brom. We had a couple of picks in this game from last week, Jay. So, how did this one work out for you? It was profitable from a trading perspective, but I'm starting to think that what everyone should do when they listen to the pod is whoever I pick, just do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way it's gone the last couple of weeks, you might be right. Yeah, just like if I tell you to go, if I'm picking Danny Ings long, like you might as well just short him at the moment. Like, only I could pick one of the most informed strikers against a promoted side who's shipped goals left, right, and centre, and he doesn't score. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a tough going. I, I think with the, I mean, particularly West Brom and Fulham were the, the first two teams coming up that looks like they, they were probably going to be easy money every week. And, with their, both of their performances this week, they look like they've maybe started to, to iron out some of those issues. Brandon, did you did you back Southampton players in this game? Um, I had Danny Ings long. Okay. Did so you listen to me? Great. <laughs> I think I did listen to you on that one, actually. It's, it's, to be fair, it's, it's a reasonable trade. And I know, Jay, you got on him quite early and you said, why is he not over 50p at the point that you bought him? And he got up to 52 or 53 around kickoff. And given he is one of the most informed strikers in the league and against a struggling defence, and they'd gone even from a back five, uh, back five to a back four, you might think the space is there for him to uh, for him to do something. But it didn't quite work out. I know Luke had Shea Adams at 40p and he paid out 37. So that also was a loss. And I mean, it's bit of a surprise for Gineppo and Romeo to get the two goals for Southampton that would have caught caught a few people by surprise I suppose um, not a whole lot to comment on there Sam Johnston who's had a bit of a rough time in goal for West Brom had uh, he actually had a decent game 
uh, paid out 54p even with the two goals going in. So he had he had plenty to do. And it's I mean it's one of those with Southampton. Yeah. They they do often test the test the opposition keeper. Um yeah. and it's just whether whether they can find the back of the net or not. And and I think a lot of people just got unlucky with Ings not managing to uh not managing to score and then Shad Adams was was kind of similar. Leicester nil West Ham three. Did uh did anyone take anyone in this game? No, I I didn't because obviously this game was on at the same time as uh, Southampton West Brom, so I yep. I made my mind up on which game I was going to watch. Um, and obviously hindsight should have watched Leicester West Ham, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, I was in exactly the same boat. Brandon, what about you? Um, I picked up Harvey Barnes, which didn't end so well. Didn't it? Could have done. Uh, what a minute from time or something. I had to see a goal. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was a very, very close call from the clip that I saw. Um, that was VAR checking. I don't know Vardy's shoulder or armpit or whatever it is for for offside, and it would have been a really nice finish. So, how did uh, what did Barnes finish on in the end? Uh, it finished on twenty six p. Yeah, I I initially wanted to short Vardy in this game because he was, I think, a fifty one fifty two p sell. And then I'd talk myself out of it because of his tendency to win penalties that we've seen so far this season. Win and convert them. And, yeah. um, well, I didn't take it and he ended up paying out 11p. So that would have been a massive, Huge. massive short yeah. uh, if I if I had taken it. But, I mean, I suppose the thing to, to comment on here really is how solid West Ham have looked the last couple of games. If you told me they were going to score seven and concede none playing Wolves and Leicester... I don't think I would have seen. I would. I, I don't think I would have believed you. No, I'd have laughed you out the door and said, "Yeah, on your way, mate." Oh, I suppose we should mention I did have a pick in this game. So, Mikel oh, Antonio. Yes. yes, you did. Yeah, Mikel. <laughs> I, to be fair, this was one of those. Um, oh, it was, it was basically a guess, but Antonio at thirty-six p looked reasonable value. I did see a stat that he's the top scorer in the Premier League, or maybe joint top scorer in the Premier League since the restart during last season. So if you yeah, can that, pick, to be fair, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. So if you, I mean, I know four of those goals came against Norwich, but if you can pick up a player like that at thirty six p, you're probably not in a bad position. And I mean, Leicester, Leicester looked like a hard one to work out now, but West Ham is starting, starting to really get stuff together. I don't know if David Moyes has just nailed this working from home thing, but he's he's doing all right there without uh, without actually turning up. So Antonio ended up on sixty nine p on the picks. I think I'd. Taking him at like thirty six, so that that one started side out quite well. Jared Bowen had another goal, so he's looking like a player. I know we we both went long him in a few of the games, Jay, um, at the end of last season, yeah, and then he sort of dropped off my radar. Yeah, missed a treat here. Yeah, so he paid out seventy four p. So there are a few a few West Ham players that like it could be quite interesting. Wolves won Fulham nil was not the game that. I think a lot of us were hoping it was going to be. Brandon, did you did you take anyone here? I shorted Bobby Reed. Shorted Bobby Reed, okay. And how did that work out? Uh yeah, not bad. He finished on thirty P. Uh shorted him at thirty six P, so small profit. Okay, fine. And did you were you trading this one or was this one uh, a sort of set and forget? Yeah, set and forget. I think majority of the day was on Sunday, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. And Jay, did you trade this game did you watch this game 
Uh, yeah, I watched this game and it didn't go. It didn't go as well as I was hoping. Uh, I think I ended up twelve pound down. Um, okay. Which I suppose sort of for for the amounts that I normally trade, it's it's really not that bad. It's one that you can sort of just write off. Um, yeah. Because I ended up shorting three of Fulham's back four. <laughs> Um, and obviously, uh, Marchand was the only one who was profitable. Yeah. Um, Robinson just kept on going and going, and so did um, Ola Aina. So it was, it was just quite frustrating because you just you expected Wolves to put a couple past. Um, but I think, obviously, what we're now starting to see is that maybe Wolves aren't aren't the team that they've were last season um, yeah i think they've sorry, got Mark. They, they've definitely got a few a few sort of crinkles to iron out fulham actually because they had a little change of shape obviously you mentioned robinson and ola aina there the basically playing as wing backs for fulham and mm-hmm. fulham actually looked quite good they did it might be a case of taking a couple of weeks on fulham to decide how are they looking now if they're going to persist with a change of shape then you know, the obvious shorts there before maybe, I don't know, Michael Hector, is he going to get back into the side? He's looked really poor when he played and then everyone everyone else who was there at the weekend looked pretty good. Um, Josh Onema might not get another start. I don't quite know how, how those guys are going to fit into the team now. So it might be a case of taking a couple of weeks to kind of see how Fulham go rather than placing any, any bets um, pre-game on any of their guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to be sort of ones to watch him play going forward. Yeah, and obviously, well, Paddy Power, you said, paid out last week, Jay, didn't they, on them going down? <laughs> yeah, they have. That um, might have been a bit too soon. Possibly, you know, if if they are going to um, adapt to the Premier League um, once more, um, it, it might be. I mean, me personally, I, I probably think it's... I still, in my head, I still think it's done, but it's, I suppose, from a at least from a sports tech perspective, it's good to see some improvement from them. I think it will just open up, open up alternative trading strategies uh, where Fulham are involved going forward. Yeah, for sure. If they uh, if they were getting popped every week, then you'd probably start to um, well, you'd see those opportunities disappear. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. You'd end up trying to short Fulham players at like twenty p. And at some point, that's going to come back to bite you. So probably the more interesting game that was actually on at the same time was Arsenal 2, Sheffield 1. I say more interesting because there are two more goals, but I I gather that it actually wasn't that entertaining um, for the most part. But there were, were a couple of trading opportunities in there. Brandon, did you take anyone here? Um, I had Gabriel for Arsenal. And how did he get on? Uh, finished on 46p. So, 2p profit a share. So, okay. small win. Fine, fine. Nothing nothing to uh, turn your nose up out there. No, Jay, no. what about you? No, unfortunately, because I was watching the Wolves Fulham game, um, I, just, I just left it alone. But I do quite like the fact that Danny Ceballos seems to be paying out quite high. Um, yeah. Without without a huge amount to do in terms of, uh, or at least in terms of goal involvement, he doesn't seem to have too much going on there. But his payouts are still quite high, which is always nice to see. 
Yeah, so he was 55p this week. And he's, I mean, he's had a couple of decent payouts, you know, whether he, he has goal involvement, you remove it, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. His base payout generally looks decent. So he might be one of these guys that's, I suppose, sort of in that kind of James Ward-Prowse bracket. We've not seen Ward-Prowse yeah. really firing yet this season. But if you've got if you've got a centre midfielder that can can pay out sort of fifty p plus without a, without a goal, that's that's generally quite a nice quite a nice trade. Let's just get on now to I mean basically we've sort of like done this 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 has all been a preamble for the two um, big games of the <laughs> weekend. There is I mean that, yeah. that's the thing. There's a hell of a lot to talk about. In fact, I might in the editing I might just delete everything we've just said about all of the other games and we'll just go straight on to these two. All the other games are boring. Um, (laughs) Let's just spend half an hour on each of these games. Um, Job done. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know even how you begin to dissect dissect these games. So first off, we had uh, Man United one, Spurs six at Old Trafford, and Jay. I know talking to you, I thought that this game it all just happened too fast after seven minutes, and Spurs were already two one up. Yes, yeah, it it really had, um, and sort of because although I'd shorted Pogba, um, and I know you had him on your picks, and I'm going to take every ounce of credit I can for that. You should um, do. I didn't even take the trade <laughs> until like like twenty minutes into the game, so yeah. I I I went short Pogba, but I went short of thirty six p, and the picks I had him at short of forty six. <laughs> So yeah, I mean you can take the credit. I'll just take the points on the uh, on the picks. That's fine. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, um yeah, I, I don't mind. But I sort of I remember saying to to you like I'm I want to see how it goes for like 10, 15 minutes before I decide on what I'm going to trade. Yeah. Um, and basically after what was it, sixty seconds? I'm like, oh, great, United are one nil up. This is all I need. Um, then Spurs get an equaliser. And then I go out to like grab, I think I just went to get a drink. And I come back and it's like 2 1. So I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I've just missed a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and when I found out it was Son, it was even worse because at, at 1 all, I was thinking, okay, are, are Spurs up for this? Like, because United looked. That first goal they can see, it wasn't great, was it? Let's be fair. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd looked at Son and Kane. Son, I was a little bit worried about because he'd... Uh, well, he was sort of a surprise inclusion. Mm-hmm. Kane looked reasonable value at 45p. And, I mean, there's, I suppose there's always this, this, this sort of nagging voice in the back of my head that at some point United are going to get their shit together. But it just obviously wasn't this week. So I'd, <laughs> I wanted to take Kane... But then he had the assist for, for the second goal. And at that point, I was kind of like, OK, so I don't know where this game goes from here. And yeah. United didn't look good, but it sort of died a little bit until the red card. And then straight after the red card, Kane went and got his goal. So that I, I didn't really see the opportunity to get in um, yeah. on, on that one. Brandon, did you... You said uh, that the Sunday was largely a sort of set-and-forget day for you. So did you have anyone from, from the start... Um... I went long on David De Gea. Right. I mean, to be fair, he he would have been busy if he'd been able to stop anything. So. Yeah, I did get out at 
a small loss. Okay, you've done, I mean, you've done well loss. there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, um, I traded out him in about 19p. I right, think he okay. settled at about 8 or 9p, or something like that. Yeah, settled at 9p. Yeah. I mean, given he conceded six goals, I'm surprised it actually wasn't wasn't worse than that. So I mean, I mean, I'm assuming your like kind of your thought process there was that Spurs are probably going to create some chances and De Gea will have have plenty to do, and it's yeah. just not yeah, quite that was out look, basically. Yeah. That was my look at it, yeah. But... Yeah, I mean that in that sense, you've you've picked it like bang on, really. Um, it's just Spurs. I mean, Spurs created sort of good opportunities, and I I don't think De Gea really stood a chance with the the chaos that was going on in front of him. No, when I see it go three one, I thought this is not going to go go well. No, and actually, I mean, watching that, it was. I, I was kind of thinking about the uh, the Bayern Barca game when it went three one quite early on, and I was like, "Well, with them down to ten men as well, I thought this is only going to get worse." Mm. Um, I sort of had flashbacks of that, so I'd taken, I took Pogba, yeah, after. I think it was after the red card, and then in the build up to the third goal, Eric Bailly made an error which initially didn't get credited by by Opta, so I decided to go short on him, and then I, they actually credited him with the error afterwards. So that one worked out quite well, and obviously from there he got a yellow card and conceded a few more goals. Um, it was, I mean, it was just a, a weird game to watch, and I mean, obviously there'll be a lot of people uh, rejoicing in in the way it went, but. I mean, do either of you guys see Man United sort of turning things around from here? Uh, I don't think so. How how bad can it get though? That's I mean, that's the thing. I suppose we're not used to seeing United, you know, languishing in the bottom half or whatever. But I don't know how how much worse it's going to get until do they? I mean, do they sack Ollie? The transfer window's now shut. I don't know. I don't know what options they have. They were panicking on on deadline day, weren't they? They were. They were. I think they signed 100%. four players. So they signed, they've signed Tellers, they've signed Cavani, they signed the the kid from Atalanta, and then who was the fourth? Um, they bought someone, but they've loaned him back, or they're not getting him till January. Um, Diallo, or was that yeah, the so, one? Yeah, so he's he's from Atalanta. Is he is he a winger? Do we know? Yeah, yeah, I believe he is. They've got um. Someone, I believe, it's from the Argentinian league. Ah, oh, they got some seventeen-year-old kid, haven't they? That's gone yeah. straight into the academy. Yeah, I, I read that they got some kid, but I, because he's gone straight into the academy, I'm like, oh, okay then. Well, I mean, that shouldn't even be deadline day business, right? That's the sort of thing that could happen like middle of the season or just middle of the transfer window, and no one really pays much attention to. Exactly. Okay, yeah, I mean that that's a club in quite a desperate state. I'm I'm excited to see Cavani in yeah, yeah in the Premier yeah. League, and I suppose this is a chance to to talk about him very quickly. Do you think he's probably going to get priced at a similar sort of level to a I don't know like Werner or Ings Jimenez kind of thing? No, no. Do you think he's going to be much lower? Yeah, yeah. For okay. me, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna come out. Um, around the same price as Martial because just because of the fact that if he's going to be playing in that number nine role up front on his own to a degree um, he's in that Man United side that you know let's face it Martial has next to no general involvement yeah um, in a game 
So I can't see why I can't see why you would price Cavani too much higher. Um, like there, there might be a couple of pence, maybe maybe forty five, forty six, um, just because he's probably uh, well. I, I say Robbie, he is a much better goal scorer than Martial, so th- he will probably get a little bit more um, bias on that front. But in all honesty, I think his I think his general play will be less than Martial, and that's probably saying something. I'd I'd be inclined to go the other way on his general play because I think he he works a lot harder. I think he's going to force himself on the game more if he's not involved. Whereas Martial, I don't think is so inclined to do that. It's quite lazy, to be fair. Okay, so a little a little sort of experiment, I suppose. The next game after the international break is Newcastle versus United. When that market opens, what price would you short Cavani at, Brandon? Anything over forty eight p. Anything over forty-eight, Jay? Would you would you go lower than that, based on what you said? No, because it's Newcastle. <laughs> okay, um, so you're still you're still set on Newcastle not being, um, not having it right. quite together. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one yeah. to call. So many teams have been so inconsistent at the start of the season, right? Yeah, and well, I mean. Maybe, maybe I would, maybe I would short at forty-eight, forty-nine, maybe. Um, but I would also want to see how he's how he's going to be used for the first like ten, fifteen minutes to make my mind up for certain. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think there will probably be a lot of people who who want to jump on a trade on him because of who he is yeah. and it'll be the and same if, as you know, you know when we had the Champions League and all that stuff but I think it probably is sensible to see what happens well, in yeah and anything above 50p if his price gets driven up to above 50p I will short um, yeah fair enough I, I quite like shorting strikers at anything above 50p yeah um, so yeah I, I don't know if you know people are listening and they're gonna go alright yeah let's like let's take some of his money <laughs> <laughs> Or not, we'll we'll find out, I guess. Let's hop on now to Villa Liverpool. And I mean, this was probably as much of a surprise, well, more of a surprise actually to a lot of people than than the, the last result would have been. Brandon, this game, am I right in thinking you managed to get back to, to watch this game? So you're trading this in play? Yeah, 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 I was trading this in play. Um, um, a few, I three beforehand. Um, I picked up Jack Grealish, uh, John McGim, and short on Keita beforehand. Wow, um, so they would have all gone very well for you. Yeah, yeah, they did go very well. Um, I did get on Salah as well after the Villa goal. Uh, was that a long or short? Uh, that was a long. Okay. Uh bought him at 55p. After the Villa goal, and then I sold him straight after he scored for sixty-two p. Okay, so you've done. Was it were those your those are your four trades for the game? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Watching all that unfold, I don't think I would have taken anything else. If you've got McGinn and Grealish, and well, McGinn and Grealish racking up points and Cater dropping like a stone. Um. I did make a mistake with McGinn though. I did come out of him too early. Oh, did you? Was that? Yeah. So got... that was what after his goal but maybe before he got that assist yeah I got out of him at 62p 
Okay, and he finished on he finished on over over eighty, I think, in the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely unreal. And Jay, how did you how did you do here? Um, it wasn't it wasn't as good as it could have been. Let's just put it that way. Um, so I shorted Cater because uh, it's probably one of my favoured trades um, so far this season, along with shorting Pogba and undoubtedly a Man City attacker, um, which this week ended up being um, Ferran Torres, <laughs> which was great fun. But yeah, sort of, I also in play went long on uh, Diego Jota because there was a there was a time where Liverpool looked like they were going to come back into it and then they would just go all out. Right. Um, and I thought that would work really, really well. And obviously it, it didn't. So I had to get out of that for a £38 loss. Took a little position on Gomez, which sort of he went off quite soon after I took that. Um, same with Wijnaldum. Both of those shorts. So that was, you know, that... that they weren't too bad. Um, they were just very small wins. I mean, Cater was the big one at seventy-eight pound um, in total because I shorted him at I think it was forty-eight, forty-nine, um, and obviously nice. he paid out twenty-three p when he went off at halftime, and that that was quite a big surprise to me that he went off then. Really? Did you not? Do you not think that he would? Uh, well, I, I, I mean, is I, I would have guessed that Klopp would either have brought him or one out him off and that's that's what confused me because as far as i could tell watching the game cater looked the most dangerous out of the midfield three right so in my eyes i was thinking like obviously i was delighted when i saw the number eight in red because i was like quids in he's on 23p i just made a fortune yeah um, but then i'm also thinking like my footballing brain is going why hang on <laughs> what why are you doing this? Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't actually get to watch the game live. So, listening to it on the radio in my car, I was kind of, I was thinking sort of what's going on here. And it wasn't actually until 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 the fifth goal went in, I I did get to watch the second half. And when the fifth goal went in, that was the point when I was kind of like, okay, Liverpool aren't coming back here. I think even at half time, I thought that they, they could probably get back into the game. Yeah. I mean, and... there were points in the game where I was very tempted to lump on... Liverpool on Betfair, there were points, and I'm so glad I didn't. To be honest, uh, to be fair, I think I probably would have um, would have looked at that if I wasn't busy. It's just, well, it's just weird the the way the way it sort of like it's potentially quite a bold take after a result like this. I really actually don't think that Villa are that good. Um, when you look at the way a lot of the goals went in, obviously Liverpool. I don't know if Liverpool's defending was simply that Allison wasn't there and to reinforce that point Adrian's given the ball away for the opening goal and you know the Liverpool defence from there has has fallen apart a little bit they don't have faith in the goalkeeper behind them they're also playing this ridiculously high line and Villa did exploit that really well and they were pushing okay. players forward really well with their 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 front three they had Barkley pushing on from midfield he looked like a, a new player never saw anything really like that no. at Chelsea I don't think it might just be, you know, because he's he's an Everton boy and he's up against Liverpool. It it could be that, and obviously it was his debut for yeah. Villa as well. So you know, a, a lot of things could have probably played uh, played a part there. But yeah, he he did look very good. I mean, what did he pay out in the end? I think he was high fifties. 
which is it's not bad considering you probably would have got him for about mid thirties. Yeah, I I was so before the game, and the only trade I actually took in this game was a, a Tyrone Ming short, so that didn't work out too well. I shorted him <laughs> at thirty eight p, and he yeah. ended up paying out fifty two. And it was I mean it was annoying because there were just a lot of silly. It was just sort of yeah CBIs and things that sort of totted up with him. And every time a, a Liverpool goal went in, I was cheering. I say every time the two that went in, um, I was I was pleased with those. And I just thought that this you know it could easily finish. You know, it could have finished seven three or seven five or something. Um, I I was expecting Liverpool to to do more than they did. Mm-hmm. Barkley finished on sixty five p. So that was that was in amongst obviously a lot of good scores. Grealish hit a max payout. He had one hundred and fifteen p. Two goals and three assists is mad. Huge. Um, <laughs> Ollie Watkins perfect hat trick ninety seven p. John McGinn eighty one p. It was with a goal and assist. Yeah. I will refer to the fact that. Three of the goals took monstrous deflections for Villa, and yes, so I think I think people shouldn't get carried away with this result. Obviously, it was a very very bad night for Liverpool, but I think people should, you know, don't be surprised if if Villa, you know, struggle to score in the next couple of games or something. I don't think they are necessarily a free scoring team now. You know, they they really struggle to get through a ten man Sheffield and. They did fine against Fulham when Fulham were all at sea. So I don't think I think it's they did really well to to pull Liverpool apart the way they did. But I do think that they still need to prove themselves a little bit. And that sounds a really weird thing when they've just beaten the champions seven two. Well, they got Leicester up next. Um, I mean, that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, I can't see Leicester playing a a high line against them. So um, that. That'll be that'll be an interesting game for sure. Yeah, and I mean as well, Villa Villa would probably like to play quite a high line, and that'll be right in. Jamie Vardy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be exactly what Vardy wants. So we'll see how that game unfolds. I'm just hesitant to be too excited about Villa just yet. I think that's kind of the main takeaway. But I do think I think Barkley, McGinn, Grealish all looked really good, and Watkins having looked so. Like he he didn't he just didn't offer any threat in either of the first two games for him to you know go and bag a hat trick fair play to him yeah. so we'll see kind of how that then carries over to to the next few games. Um, Brandon, what do you make of Liverpool at this point? Do you think they're do you think this this is a sign of like any bigger problems or do you think it's just kind of an off day? I think it's an off day. Yeah, yeah I can't I can't see Liverpool just bouncing back absolutely fine. After the international break, who have they got next? Do you know, out of interest, I'll check yeah. just quickly. Everton, Everton. Um, oh, maybe, well. maybe saying that, maybe not. That could be a that'll be a very good game to watch. Let's hope so. I mean, I know, I know the last um, the last Merseyside derby, everyone was really excited for, and it was an atrocious nil <laughs> nil, um, just coming out of lockdown. But I'm hoping this sh- this should be a good game, and obviously, this is one Liverpool have to raise their game for. Oh yeah, yeah. So that might that might draw draw something extra out of them. We shall see. Let's hop on very quickly to. I'm going to start calling this segment. Uh, we'll start calling it Dave's pick review. I think now, just because Jay doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> 
So we'll, just, we'll get through this very quickly. So there's true. No, <laughs> there's no point. I did actually spend uh, spend a bit of time today putting putting together a spreadsheet to keep track of everything. So we'll never lose track of what's going on with the picks. But obviously we had a, we had Sports Stack Luke on last week. He had a short on Timo Werner, long on Wilfred Zaha, and long on Shea Adams. And Werner was plus fourteen. Zaha was minus eighteen, and Adams was minus three. So Luke had a total of minus seven, and obviously. We know things can be a lot worse than that, so he's not done too badly there. Jay, you had uh, a long on Danny Ings at 49p, long on Richarlison at 48, and short Kovacic at 49p. And Ings was minus nine. Richarlison, obviously, you were very unlucky with. You would have just been far better off if he'd just not played. Rather yeah, than... exactly. I, I, I mean, I've got I've got full sympathy, sympathy with you there because, you know, at the time you made the pick, it seemed fair enough. And then he got the injury after that. And then for a while, you probably thought you were fine. And then he's gone and started and then come off, come off ferocious, 20 minutes in. Absolutely. Um, ferocious tackle from, uh, from Ty Atlanti. Should be banned for life. <laughs> <laughs> so Richarlison, Richarlison ends up on minus 17 and Kovacic is a, is a nil. Um, so Jay, you were minus 26 this week. And then for me, I had a short on Nathan Ake who didn't play. I'm not sure where he fits in now, given they've got Laporte and Ruben Diaz there and he's immediately been dropped to the bench. So I, I, don't, I don't quite know, but he was a zero because he didn't play. Uh, Pogba was plus 32. I certainly didn't see that result coming um, when I sh- was calling for a short of 46. I, I didn't see that happening, but that's worked out quite nicely. And then Antonio, um, who who is really unstoppable at the moment, and he was plus 33 because I had a long at 36. So I was plus 65 this week. So my luck in the picks has continued, uh, continued to run quite hot. So I'm just waiting for that to turn and at some point it will <laughs> um but we're enjoying it for now aren't we jay Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough we probably probably need like an explicit content warning or something at the start of this i'm not quite sure particularly if picks keep going this way unfortunately to be fair brandon we 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 don't have picks for this week for you to get involved with which is a bit of a shame um, so we'll, we'll have to see if we can do something about that further down the line, maybe in one of the yeah, one of the following game game weeks. We'll hop on though to the community questions. So we've got a couple here. Sports Stacker after his the controversy last week, asking <laughs> who is the better trader or whatever it was he tried to ask. He's trying to stir the pot a little bit more. I think he is. Yeah. So Harry, <laughs> Harry, aka Sports Stacker, is, uh, is asking what milestones have to be passed for someone to be considered the king of Super Stack or Sports Stack. So we've got people who are potentially in the running for both titles here. Um, Jay, we'll start with you. King of Sports Stack. What do you need to do to be considered the king? Um, I think. For me, the first thing would definitely you have to be um, net withdrawals instead of net deposits. So obviously, on the app, it'll it'll show as a net deposits with a minus figure. So as far as I'm concerned, that's net withdrawals. You have to be in that position to start with. I mean, if you know if you're if you're showing say two, three, four grand profit, um, but let's say you've got a net deposit figure of three four grand then okay great you you've made a lot of money but you you're still playing with your own money if that makes sense you're still you've still yeah. got risk in the platform 
um that that's probably one of the key things as as far as i would look for if i'm sort of looking for a, a king or or queen of um a sports stack king or queen i like that inclusive mm-hmm. that's good that's a good call my my thoughts quickly i think one we're not at the point yet where anyone could call themselves a king of, king of sports stack i would say it's too early for that i think I'm primarily saying that because I know I've got a big hole to dig myself out of to to even have a chance of being called the, the king of sports stack. You just um, want more time. I need. I'm I'm buying time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do think that people, if you're going to be the king of sports stack, it probably helps if you can profit on the long and the short side. If you're if you're good at trading both both sides, I think that is probably quite a big thing. And for that i don't think that many people necessarily keep keep spreadsheets with the detail that actually show all that stuff i've been tracking lately just where i've been making my money more so i have a good idea of kind of like what i'm good at and what i'm not and i think it would be interesting if you're if you know i I don't see this ever actually becoming the case but if people are trying to prove the point that they should be king or queen then i think you kind of need the spreadsheets to to kind of back it up to show that you're making money maybe in all all areas maybe you're able to trade players in all positions players from all different teams um i think i think being able to operate in all areas of the market is um is probably necessary for for someone to take that title um and i certainly don't think i'm there uh there quite yet brandon do you have a view on this at all um can i can i just say um, I think the king of superstat was a bit of an inside joke between me and uh, Sportstack Mark originally. Right. And I think it ended up going onto Twitter and becoming bigger. Well, in that case, yeah. it's your title to lose, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I guess if you, you're looking to find someone to be crowned it, they have definitely got to... Um, it will prove when Champions League comes along with the smaller teams and you're able to profit off them. I think that would be a big test. Yeah, Do you think... I was picking out the, uh, picking out the uh, differentials in the smaller teams where, you know, they might be coming up against a bigger, a big name European side. And, um, you know, if you're able to spot some value, um, then, yeah, that, that would definitely go towards it, I think. Yeah. Do you think, though, that where you've got say big teams playing small teams it's just easier to to go short those guys in the small teams or are you talking about picking out the defender that's going to play worst because of x y and z um i think it's more so who do you think can, you can short or or long and make the most profit from because i can imagine a lot of the prices being relatively low for the smaller teams and yeah. without knowing a lot of a, a lot about the, the teams that they play for and the leagues that they're playing in, you can't get them sort of stats to to prove how they'll overcome a, a lot of a bigger team. So you're waiting to see how people get on in the Champions League group stages before you pass any any judgments. Mm, yeah, yeah. On the uh, the King of Superstack thing. We're interested. I'm interested to ha- to know how you've how you've been so successful on Superstack. You you can give away as much information as you do or don't want to. I mean, we don't don't want you to give up any secrets that you, you hold close to you. But do you 
think that the techniques you've got will, will carry across to stuff like the Champions League, where you've got some of these lesser-known teams? Um, I'm hoping so, yeah. Because um, that's where, where I've done really well on to begin with, Champions League. Um, especially after the restart, that's where I, I started with the super stack. Because um, that's when it came about. And, and then carrying it over into the Premier League was was easier, I think. Because you can you can you kind of see a pattern, but majority of it is I'd say fifty percent luck and fifty percent um, seeing how the player has done in the past versus who they're up against. I think especially for wingers, if they're going against a right back that's pushing up a lot higher, and they're going to create a lot of chances and for themselves and not 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 give away the ball as much. Right, so I mean, just as an example, would you have considered Grealish in the uh, in the Liverpool Villa game? Yeah, yeah, I think if if it wasn't for them playing against a Liverpool team that are a good team, I would have picked him. Right, but I didn't see that result happening. No, I don't think anyone can really blame you no. for that. To be fair, no, no one did. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. So. Another question from Sports Dacker. I think. Oh, I actually know this. This, this feeds into the same. Yeah, it's basically part two, isn't it? What's more important, ROI or monetary value, to be considered the king, Brandon? Uh, I think return on income is definitely more important because if you're depositing three or four thousand and your profits three or four thousand, you've only doubled your money. But if you've deposited five or six hundred and you've made your profit of three or four thousand, that I think that. Definitely means more than monetary value. Definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with you there. I don't know if Harry's asking this question to try and drive a wedge between me and Jay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, he probably is. Um, I think, I think that's probably it. Um, yeah, that, that's all he's trying to do. Um, but I, I do like Brandon's example there of depositing sort of. Uh, 500 pound and making three grand profit because that very very close to what i done because i started with about 400 pound and my total profits are three grand so <laughs> I, i'm, I'm going to take that example to the grave with me <laughs> right well there we go there we yeah, go yeah but i i would agree um you know return on investment is really it's the Again, this is probably the accountant in me. It's it's not quite the be all and end all of um, accountancy ratios, but it's it's definitely up there. Um, and you know, if you're trading six, seven, eight hundred shares a time, and you're making thirty, forty quid a trade, and that's that's great because sort of yes, you are making real money, um, at, you know, good amounts per trade, but. <clears throat> The actual amount that you're making on your total liability per trade, it's not huge. So there's there's margin to make more, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in the end, you need to be looking at your, your profitability rather than your profit mm-hmm. um, to really determine how, how good you are. Because I think... It's, it kind of comes back to what we said last week Last week with Luke, where on Twitter, obviously, it, if you post a bigger profit, people will be more interested. They're not actually looking at 
oh, you've managed to double your money on that trade. You know, you've bought whoever at 50p and they've paid out maximum. Yeah. They're looking yeah, at great. they're looking at the fact that you're up 100 quid. Um, even if you've bought it, you know, you might have bought someone at 80 and I, I certainly wouldn't be buying anyone at 80p. But if you buy someone at 80, sell them for 90 and make 100 quid, they're probably going to be more interested in that than if you buy someone at 50p, they pay out a maximum and you make £2.50. Um, yeah. That's just the way things work on social media. So, yeah, I would I would encourage people to to consider their their returns there. So, looking at the strike rate, um, in terms strike of in rate terms is of, quite big. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, in, in terms of maximizing the amount of money you're making, if you're looking at your strike rate, you basically just want to limit the number of of losing trades, and then the next step is to try and limit those losses as much as possible. So, if you are watching, and this is where it helps watching in play, is if you see a trade going the wrong way, it's having the conviction just to just to tap out and say that's me done. And an example of that might be with the the Tyrone Ming short because in the end that wasn't a catastrophic trade. It it was it wasn't great, but it was a bit of a crap end to the weekend, which generally had been quite good for me. Um, and I'd sat there thinking, well, maybe Liverpool will get another goal, and I just let I let it run, and actually actually it ran away from me the other way. So there's it's kind of one of those examples where if you yeah, you just need to be a bit ruthless and say this trade hasn't worked. I'm going to leave it there. And once you cut those big losses out, then you're in a, a pretty decent position. Yeah, um, I think that sort of not not necessarily the player um, that you were on about there, but that example of obviously in your case, you're thinking, oh, maybe Liverpool will score. Um, but obviously, then the total flip side to that, if you're long on someone who has probably had a quiet game, but let's say they sort of they their payout to what you paid for them is say 10 15p difference um you know 20 minutes to go you're probably thinking oh, if they score now like i'm i'm going to be quids in like and if i if i trade out now i'm, I'm not going to get much more for it so i'm going to make you know 14 15p loss um and it, it's that it's then having that conviction to go okay fine i'll i'll take the 14 15p loss it's probably going to be better um than you know the loss that I could get um, if if this goes horribly wrong. Uh, so that like you said, it's my De Gea trade. To be fair, yeah, take take yeah. the loss. Uh, just yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you said you traded that out after the third goal, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, third goal. Yeah, good, great move, great move. I think in the end, it's just it's exactly. just managing, it's managing those trades just to not let them run away from you when uh, um, maybe when they're on a losing position. Uh, Sports stack mark. Friend of the show, how long till you're confident enough to take the plunge with big stakes? So I don't know if this is directed strictly at you, Brandon. I don't think it's directed at Jay because I think he's already there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's either you or I, Brandon, but I'll let you go first. Um, I think probably now. Yeah? Because I, I think this was aimed at me because I think me and him were talking about these for the super stack because I was only doing the £2 um, stakes. And he was saying to me about going up. But yeah, I think think now I think I will be going up to maybe four, six pound, eight pound even for some. Oh, that's I mean, that's one of the big thing, big things for me is if you're scaling up, doing it slowly because just giving your I think it can be a bit of a shock to the system. Maybe less so on on Superstack, because once you place that bet, you can't do anything about it, right? No. 
Um, yeah. If you're on the exchange, you're having to make a decision. Every single second you're in the trade, you're having to make a decision. Do I leave it? Do I get out now? Um, yeah. And when you're seeing a bigger profit or a bigger loss on the screen, or you're thinking about the, the prospect of a bigger profit or a bigger loss, that's when you get greedy or it can it can kind of like play havoc with your thoughts. Um, so that's why if you scale up slowly, it just gives you a chance to adjust as you go. And you're yeah. never you're never going to be sort of too caught out by the numbers that you see on the screen. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I think I think scaling up slowly is is sensible. I was my next question was going to be when you scale up, are you talking about going from say, yeah say two pound to ten pound, or is it two pound to four pound, which would be the the smallest increments? I think it makes sense to just go to four pound on the next one and then kind of see how you yeah. get on there. I have been going four pound over the weekend. I I think I had Richarlison and Saint Maxim, which Richarlison didn't go very well, but the Allen one could have went very well. Yeah, so Max, man, you wouldn't wouldn't have been far off in the end. No, I think if he didn't get, if he didn't get subbed off, he would have took that penalty as well at the end. Quite possibly, and you know it just gives him more time, and he doesn't need a huge amount of time to rack up points either. Oh, um, no. So yeah, I mean it's it's a bit unfortunate, and at the same time, you know, with all due respect to Callum Wilson, he didn't exactly do much, did he? I mean, looking at his payout graph, he didn't he didn't do a huge amount. Um, until the two goals anyway so uh, I think that one is is just very very unfortunate on that unfortunately yeah it's the way some of these go isn't it um, let's hop on now we wanted to have um, wanted to ask ask you a few questions Brandon about yeah. how uh, how you trade in play effectively because obviously we've we've had a couple of discussions on this over the last couple of weeks on the podcast you put out a, a very good thread on Twitter, um, sort of explaining your thoughts on it. So we just wanted to kind of get to grips with what do you think are the main points when it comes to trading in play, just so listening has got kind of different views to just me and Jay saying the same old yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, I think definitely only in a trade in play if you're watching the game. I think that's one of the most important things because if you're not watching a game, you can't see how it's going. Even the stats don't don't say a game. If you if you see the flow of the game, one team's attacking more. Um, I think I think the main main thing I look for is um, if if a team if it's maybe a bigger team and it's a smaller team and it's either drawing or um, the stronger team are pushing and pushing. Uh, it's good to look at defenders. Uh, wing backs, I've looked at a lot. Centre backs, especially for the uh, CBRs and the ball recoveries, if they're trying to pump the ball into the box a lot, I think that was one game. I think the Arsenal Liverpool game, I'd done quite well getting on two Arsenal defenders when Liverpool were pumping it right towards the end, and I made some money on that. Right. Okay. So it's, it's the main thing for you is picking up the flow of the game, and then. And then you, I guess you've got kind of a framework in your head for which players are going to do well in certain situations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Fair enough. And then, as you say, you need to be watching the game. So if you do take a trade pre-match, will you always just let that run if you're not watching, like regardless of? Um, not always. Like like my De Gea one. That that's I say that I've said that quite a few times tonight. But it's a great example of. of that's a fair point. That makes my question a bit stupid, really, but. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's just even even if you're not watching the game, I think it was easy because 
a goalkeeper doesn't do a lot other than keeping the ball out of the net. And if you've seen that they're two, three, three nil down, and they're down to, to ten men, it's going to be even harder. So that's when you yeah. look at getting out. Yeah, goalkeepers I found quite a difficult one to call lately. They were one they they were a position that I quite enjoyed trading before, but I've found they they can be quite inconsistent. And I I don't know if I don't know if you've encountered any any good ways of judging on that. I tend I tend to, tended to back the good goalkeepers before, and particularly in games when I thought they were going to be under fire. But then sometimes those games just go totally the opposite direction. Yeah, goalkeepers are a very difficult one to trade on because if they're not getting making a lot of saves, they're not going to push up their their payout. Um, Martinez was one last season that I got on a lot when uh, Leno was injured at Arsenal. He made me a fair bit because he was a very good shot stopper. Yeah, I mean he's he's proven to be a great signing for Villa as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I've I've got on him the first two games he was in. With him, do you think actually that he he could be a big difference maker for this year? I'm I'm assuming you're having had some success with him already. You'll probably be looking to trade him again. Um, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, make, he's made a big difference at Villa, and he'll help them push higher this season. Yeah, yeah. As I say, I'll reserve a bit of uh, optimism on that one for now. But I do think he's he's an excellent signing, and he'll certainly make that back. For or that sort of defensive unit a lot better. Jay, have you got anything to add on on what Brandon's kind of given us there on his in-play training? Um, no, I think I think a lot of it is obviously very very much similar to um, what we've said, um, which is you know really only trade in-play if you're going to be able to watch the game um, in the grand scheme of things because the even if you you know check the stats every five minutes. And and whatnot. It's it's not actually a hundred percent true reflection of what's actually going on on the pitch. Um, yeah. And for me, for me, that is by far the most important thing. We're probably very near the end now. I'm going to ask you both quickly. We've got three markets open um, before. Well, I mean, these games feel so long away now with the uh, with the international break. <laughs> Um, West Brom, Burnley, Sheffield United, Fulham, and Tottenham West Ham. I'd say one of those games looks appealing, which would be Tottenham West Ham. But have, have either of you guys checked into those markets at all? Have you got any thoughts? Have you taken any trades? Uh, I've got one one person so far, uh, short on Dwight McNeil. What's the um, what's the rationale there? Um, I've shorted him a few times already, and he's he seems to. It was quite it's quite a high. I think I shorted him at 46p. Um, and so far, he's not paid out over 40p. I think that's the way I've looked at it. Interesting. This match is a bit of a, you know, it's a clash of two two kind of struggling teams. Yeah, um, I, I think West Brom are going to step up their game now. Especially yeah, I think... Especially their draw against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, they certainly looked... Better, they they were clinical against Chelsea, and that that in the end is what got them got them the point because obviously they were under so much pressure in the in the second half. And against Southampton, they looked they looked vastly improved in the second half. They were they were applying a bit of pressure. I think against a team like Burnley, we'll start to see them. Um, you know, they can actually really get out and get at them. And I think you probably see the best of Pereira and Diangana in a game like that. 
yeah, I think they'll look at this game as a as one to try and pick up some points. Yeah, for sure. Jay, what about you? Have you have you taken anything so far? Um, I haven't. Yeah, in all honesty, um, I've kind of just left it for a minute. Um, and to be honest, a lot of that is just down to the fact that, I'm, in the nicest possible way, I'm trying to stay off the app at the moment because I'm just gonna start to start to cry that I'm not gonna make any money off it this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna feel like a long couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's sort of um, yeah, you you sort of get used to you get used to the thrill of of trading the players um, as you're watching the game. I think I'm going to be watching the internationals and um, maybe cursing Nick and Christian a little bit that they haven't got internationals on there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see. straight up calling them out. <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, I did mention it on Slack. Um, I even tagged Nick as like any chance for last minute additions to the internationals, and um, yeah, he 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 blanked it. So I I guess that's. I've been asking him for months. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably getting tired of everybody asking for it now. Um, to be honest, I sh- I shouldn't really hound him for things because he he has probably been hounded by me for cricket, and he's you know said that that's coming in April. So um, I, sh- I really shouldn't ask for much more. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he has got a fair job to do already without you uh, making his life any more difficult, Jay. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll let him off for the time being. <laughs> um, I've taken one trade so far, and that is Long Mikel Antonio at 35p. I was going. literally, I thought yeah, I might have done. After, after that last game, you know, Spurs obviously look, they look so good against Southampton. And then they looked so good in the last game, but United were horrendous. And there have been games in between where they've not been particularly inspiring. You know, they've, I mean, against Newcastle, they couldn't finish the dinner. So in a game like this, where West Ham are obviously going to be up for it, I think that Antonio looks a decent option at 35p. And I mean, in that last game, he was, what, he paid out 69p, and that was with one goal involvement. I quite like him at 35p, and I think he's. I think he's quite underpriced there and he might remain so um, for a bit of time. And then Jared Bowen's 37p as well. So there are a couple of prices there that are interesting. Yeah. The problem that West Ham are probably going to have that game is that Gareth Bale might be back. So, like, they're, they're screwed. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's the point. That's just my Welsh bias, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> I hadn't even considered... I, I Honestly, I keep forgetting that Gareth Bale plays for Spurs now. Yeah, I do as well. I mean, he's a 52p buy, and I'm not, I'm not paying that for him. Like, no, I wouldn't. As much as I love him, and he's like my hero and whatnot, I, I can't. I really can't. Well, I was going to say, I mean, one of my abiding memories of him for Spurs is scoring, I think, a couple in a 3-2 Spurs win at Upton Park, probably in about 2012. And he scored the winning goal with a... It was, good like 30 yarder um into the top corner so i don't know it almost feels like it's set up for him to come back and uh and do something against west ham um it would be nice son 51p i might find a little bit appealing i just yeah i don't know how this game's gonna go so i kind of don't want to take anyone who's priced too high so i think i'll probably leave that um i just don't think probably a bit of a risky one i just don't think the pricing is quite reflective because i think west ham have obviously 
got momentum and Spurs have actually proven a little bit inconsistent so far. They've, they were obviously very good last game, but I, we don't know what, what Spurs are going to turn up next. So, yeah, we shall see. Um, right, just before we wrap up, Jay, next week's guest is the uh, the potstirer himself. There we go. So, <laughs> so that is Sports Stacker from Twitter for anyone who doesn't know him by his first name. Um, we've had him on the pod a couple of times before. So he'll be able to come in and do some picks for next week or for the week after even yeah. when he's on. And I don't know if that, at that stage we might have markets for the Champions League, hopefully. Uh, I, yeah, I believe the first round is on on and around the 20th of um, October, isn't it? Yeah, so, the, so those those might, markets might be open. Yeah, I think like might. Week, weekend even. Yeah, maybe oh, maybe yeah. I maybe I'll have to break my. Uh, I'm not going to bug Nick, and maybe I will bug Nick and find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll I mean, you're definitely going to have to go on the app. That's that's for sure. So, um, you don't well, yeah. stay off there for too long. No, I mean, if if those markets come live, sort of, you know, anytime. Uh, in this week, then yeah, I'll I'll be stuck on the app for those hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, fair play. Right, we're going to wrap it up there, Brandon. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. No, it's very good to um to hear, particularly about your exploits on on Superstack. It's it's really actually a part of the platform that I've not ventured into too much. So it's good to see that people are getting on there and uh, and making some good money. Um, and obviously, we wish you luck with uh, with raising your stakes and scaling up, as you mentioned you're going to. Not to mention the vlogs that are coming out yes. uh, soon, hopefully. Yes, that is actually that's a very important shout out. So Brandon is 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 looking at setting up some some vlogs. So we don't have a timeline on that yet, do we? So we don't want to uh, put you under any pressure no, on that not one. Just yet. I'll cool. be letting everyone know soon. Cool, but yeah, shout out yeah, for that. So cool. everyone, everyone, keep an eye out for uh, for Brandon um, announcing that on Twitter. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will catch up with you next week. Sadly, no happy trading, but <laughs> I enjoy, enjoy your week anyway. And I hope the international break isn't isn't too mentally challenging for you. Uh, have a good one. <laughs>